Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 144 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are doing well and uh, hope you are continuing to have a great start to 2018. One of the things that I have been thinking a lot about, not just with STC, but with my career, is this idea of building a business, not just to create income or have a certain amount of email subscribers or followers or whatever it is, right? But building a business to do more in the world. I think I mentioned this in a previous episode of the podcast, but I've been looking at this idea of social entrepreneurship probably in the last year and a half or so. And it's basically this idea of building a business in order and using some of the impact and the the funds that come from that business to do more social good. And uh, if you guys have followed me on, I've mentioned this a few times in the Facebook group, but two of the things that I feel really passionate about and just really called just me and uh, just our family is two things. One is doing what we can to end human trafficking. And then the second calling is being able to provide educational opportunities to kiddos who may not have the same opportunities that many of us had. And I think as STC grows, I think I think a lot about that. And I wanted to say all of that because uh, today's podcast topic is a little different than what we typically have on the podcast. And it's actually with Aman Nathu. Aman is actually from Bonjoro.com. And we're talking about this idea of purpose over passion and how it uh, sort of lines up for us as clinicians and why this idea of following your passion may not be actually the best advice that one can take. And I think that's been a hard lesson that I've learned with STC, and I, I think I continue to learn as my career and practice journey unfolds as well. I wanted to have Aman on because Bonjoro is actually a, a program that I, I came across last year in 2017. And it's this program that basically allows you to send brief video recordings to folks, you know, just via email. And I use it a lot for my HealthCasters. So folks that have purchased the HealthCasters course, I'd like to create these individual videos just to welcome them into the community and the course. And my plan is to continue to do that with some of the other things that I'm releasing, just because, I don't know, I, I feel like in this day and age, I think it's easy to lose that human connection. I always want to be 
thoughtful about that. So we'll get right to today's conversation. I don't want to like prolong it. So today we're going to cover a number of different things, sort of Aman's definition of what purpose is, and then why this idea of following a passion, just simply following a passion without thinking through what the deeper purpose is for our businesses, why that may not be the wisest idea. And then just a lot of practical tips on how this can apply to us as clinicians and aspiring and current clinicians in private practice. So here is my conversation with Aman Natu from Banjuro.com. Hey, Aman, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I feel like I love speaking to other entrepreneurs and looking forward to this conversation because I think talking about this idea of balancing purpose and passion and, you know, we hear lots of messages around following passions and I'm like just curious and interested and excited to hear some of your thoughts around it. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I've kind of been focusing on the last couple of years. So it'll be nice to talk about it. Yeah, I definitely want to like hear because I thought, you know, what we we talked about right before we started recording was just fascinating your story. And maybe we'll, we'll kind of jump into it here in a little bit. But I wanted to start, you know, with a general question, I guess we'll go real quick here, which is how do you define purpose? So purpose, I think I don't have like a clear definition or what would be like a dictionary definition of it. But I think it's something that is that everyone has, whether they kind of know it or not. I think a lot of people either don't know their purpose or haven't figured it out yet or what it is today. It may be different in the future. But essentially, it's something that you find that is your thing. And I was asked this actually once when it was in a job interview and, and someone asked me, you know, what is your thing? What is it that you are different in or different about you than other people? And I think I had to take a step back and think about it. And for me, it was building relationships. It's one of those things that I had to hear from someone else to know that that was my thing and, and that was my kind of my purpose. And the funny story was it was actually in, in an Uber ride where I learned this, where I was in San Francisco with a couple of friends and, and we were there for the weekend. And every uber driver that i sat with i was always the one to sit in the front because i was the tall one so i sit in the front on every uber ride and i got to know each one of the uber drivers within the first you know the couple minutes or the couple minute drive that would be there and when we were on our way to the airport and we got to the airport my friends were, were like how did you do that how did you build a relationship with every single driver so quickly and i just kind of stopped and, and thought about that and i was like hey that's pretty interesting i never thought that that was that was my thing and so i, th- I think for me in terms of how i apply that to my purpose it was something that's that you know, is something that I have that stands out to me more than others and something that, that's unique to me. So I think purpose is, is something that's specific. It's a bit more tangible, mm. but it changes over time, I think. And what my purpose is today may be different than in the near future. But I see it's something as similar to goals versus resolutions. You hear a lot of people talk about on New Year's Eve, what's your resolution? And the resolution can be something that's kind of broad and, and not necessarily specific, whereas goal is something that's tangible. It has some sort of quantifiable aspect to it. And I think purpose is one of those things that has some of those same traits. It's more specific, it's more tangible, and it's more about accomplishing things rather than, you know, just satisfying yourself. Yeah. You said a couple of really good things there. And I thought like there's one point particularly that stood out to me, which is I think sometimes like the people that are closest to us are the ones that can kind of help us identify what our purpose and what our unique strengths are, right? Like for us, for many of us, right, we are used to our personalities and how we do things. So we don't ever think of it like, oh, that's something special about me, you know? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you actually need to have someone else's feedback uh, about you to, for you to, to know what your strengths are. And, and I think strengths 
are really great and talent is, is obviously there's a lot of talented people out there too and you'll find that a lot of people who have this really strong talents then they don't pursue it as a career because it's not what they think their calling is and, and that's a really good great example of purpose is bigger than that something that you actually put higher than than what you're necessarily is your best talent it's something that means more to you it's something that that it's just bigger. So sometimes you, yeah, you need to ask someone outside and say, hey, you know, it's funny. LinkedIn recommendations are, are actually one of the things that, that people learn a lot about themselves. Hmm. Asking a former colleague or a former boss to ask to, to leave you some information on what they think your strengths are can help you kind of understand what it is that you're really good at. And hmm. then, you know, sometimes figure out from that, hey, you know, this is actually means more to me than just a talent or a strength it, it actually means something bigger. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know this word like or the phrase like the unfair advantage that keeps kind mm. of coming to my mind as you're talking about this, right? Right. Um, what may come normal to you, right, may actually in other contexts may be something that's actually quite advantageous. Yeah. I have a friend who's a good example. Amazing singer. He's like probably could win any competition, but he, he doesn't pursue it as his career. He's he's also an engineer. And, and even then, he, I think his purpose is... is doing things that are, are very different than that. And so just what, what it is that you're best at is it could be your passion. I mean, it could be your purpose. It could be something much bigger and, and much more important to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, and you're sort of hinting at this, which is that just because something is a strength for you, I guess part of trying to figure this out is, do you want to channel that strength into like a profession or a calling kind of idea? Yeah, yeah exactly. I think obviously your, your strengths are something that you inherently I have an advantage in because it's something that you're good at. I think that the ideal situation is matching those strengths with something that you find is, is your purpose and mm-hmm. something that, that's higher. It's not no tricky. It's no easy task. It's a tricky one. But if you can find that kind of marriage, it works, works out quite well. Yeah. And so whenever you had this Uber experience, right, like your friends are telling you this, initially when they gave you that feedback, like, was it a like, oh, be quiet, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about, whatever, right? Or was it like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, how, how long did it take for you to actually say, you know what, like, this might be something that I'm uniquely talented in, which is the ability to form connections and relationships. And Yeah, I think it was a combination of that was the, not the awakening, but kind of the, the moment where I took a step back and thought about it. But between that and a few other things that, that come up, a few other situations that come up often, I always get told that, whether it's colleagues or friends, is that, you know, everywhere I go, I run into someone that I know, or you know all these people, and, it, and not in like a narcissistic way, it's more of just like, you, how do you use it that you build these relationships with people? How do you know these people and, and they know you? And, it, and I actually, for me, it came back and I thought about my father, my dad, who actually passed away when I was younger, but he had the same kind of quality, and it was very strange. When I was a kid, it actually was more so annoying, because everywhere we went, like, he would end up talking to people forever, because and I once wanted to go or go home and, and it was like, okay, now someone else that my dad knew. But now as I'm getting older, I'm like, hey, I have some of those, those same qualities. And I think when he passed away, what I realized was when I saw how many people came to his funeral, the impact he had had on people, that was when I realized that for me, my purpose in life is to actually have as much of an impact, a positive impact on people to have the most people attend my funeral as possible. And again, not in an artistic way to, to, for the popularity of it, but just that I was able to kind of make a positive impact on these people large enough that they would feel that they would want to come and pay their respects. That's kind of what my purpose is mm. at the moment. And again, it might change here and there a little bit as, as time progresses, but I think that's kind of will be the basis of it. Yeah, no, it's sort of that like the funeral represents this sort of symbolic impact that you've had on people's lives. Yeah, right? exactly. 
I wanted to shift a little bit and ask this question. I'm curious to hear like, so a lot of times, you know, even in this entrepreneurship world, we hear things like follow your passion, pursue your passion, all of those things, you know, and everything else will take care of itself. But one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is we were talking about this sort of, I guess, counter idea, which is that you actually argue that simply following a passion is not a sustainable sort of model when it comes to sort of business success. How come? Yeah, so I actually, I learned a lot about this from Ryan Holiday, who's mm-hmm. written a bunch of books, and he's written one called Ego is the Enemy. Really great book. If you haven't read it, definitely recommend you check it out. And there's one whole section on there about passion and purpose. And it kind of opened my eyes to see a lot of what I've actually realized I've come across in my life or, you know, especially within business, his ideals on on passion versus purpose, I could apply really easily. So some of the things that he talks about are how, you know, simply being passionate is not necessarily like passion is more about and purpose is two and four. It's kind of how he pushes it. So people say they're passionate about things, but it's not really tangible. It's not really you know, something that you have something specific, so specific aspects to, whereas purpose is, is more about to, you know, your purpose is to do something and, and purpose is for. And so with business-wise speaking, you know, when you're simply passionate about something, it's this idea that you have and there's no real route on how you're going to get there. Hmm. It can easily cloud your judgment on things because you can use it as a crutch that, you know, if you find that you want to pursue a, a certain task and you may not think it's the right decision, I'm passionate enough about it and it helps you justify things that probably you may not need to pursue. So one of the things that I think he mentions in the book is getting to a certain end goal. When you're passionate about it, you get so stuck on that end goal that the route that you have in your mind can get really stringent. Hmm. Whereas something with purpose, you're more so focused on the goal itself rather than how you get there. You know, if it takes you one route that you had in mind versus another route that it's the reality, it's not a big deal. But when you're passionate about something and you get overly passionate about it, you can easily just get stuck in one way on, on how to get there. And that can actually hinder your growth and hinder your ability to, to actually get there in general. Mm-hmm. So passion is one of those things that is not necessarily, it doesn't sometimes, sometimes lacks the specificity or like the, the realness to do things. And whereas purpose is, is more real and is more realistic. Again, I like the way you're sort of framing it. And I think I wanted to kind of bring it to this idea of how this might be applicable. Because, you know, my listeners are primarily mental health private practitioners who are either aspiring or current ones. And I almost think of it like this, like, if the purpose is for you, for example, let's say is to do a group practice, you know, within the next 10 years, right? If you're focused on that versus saying, okay, I got to where you're focused sort of just on the day to day grind of things, it may be really easy to focus so much on the day to day that you sort of lose sight of the long term vision of the practice. And I think the other thing I'm sort of hearing is we talked about actually before we started our conversation, which is this idea of pivoting, right? So if the Mm -hmm. end goal is that you want to group private practice, right, and you are so stuck on having it, I'm going to have to do it in this way, I'm going to have to hire this many people in year one, or, you know, make this change, add this service in year two. But if you're so focused on that, you lose track of, or it's potentially you could lose sight of trying to do it in a different way. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially... You know what I've kind of seen with with certain leaders, and the best leaders that I've worked with have been the ones who give you kind of true autonomy on how to figure things out on your own, as opposed to doing things their way. And the leaders that are really passionate about things, uh, passionate about you know their business, and passionate about their you know what their goals are. In my experience, especially, I've seen that you know they're kind of stringent on the journey, 
And the ones who are more purpose-focused are, hey, I don't really care how we get there as long as we get there and we achieve this greater thing, this greater idea or purpose. And so in your day-to-day, when you get a bit too passionate about situations, it justifies making decisions that you deep down may know aren't the best decisions for your business. Mm. I hear this a lot too when, when we're hiring. In my previous roles, I've, I've hired different team members, specifically in sales. I'm more of a sales background. And you hear this all the time of so-and-so is a great candidate because they're really passionate or it ends up being the value of a lot of companies like passion. It's great. I think the intention of it is really strong. But I think really what they, people mean is purpose. I think people who are passionate about something means that they'll be willing to do whatever it takes. That can be a really great thing, but it can also be a really negative thing. If they're willing to do whatever it takes, they may not make you know, the rational decision to on certain aspects because passion clouds that judgment. Purpose gives you the ability to take a step back and say, is this the best thing I could be working on at this moment? Or what does this mean for the greater good of what I'm trying to accomplish rather than what does it mean today? And I think you nailed it is focusing on the day-to-day and what it means today. Sometimes you need to take a step back and think about the end goal. And I think purpose gives you more of a tangible and real vision of what that end goal is and, you know, over passion. Right. For you, like, I wanted to kind of pick your brain because for me, like, I love what we're talking about. And to be honest, like the first probably a year and a half of selling the couch, I did not do that. Right. Because I was just so like, so hyper-focused, you know, try to get the next thing done. And now what I've tried to do is about every quarter, I will actually, so at the beginning of the year, well, I actually did Michael Hyatt's best year ever course last year. And I wrote down like, you know, went through the whole course, wrote down, which is actually an excellent course, I recommend it. But I wrote down sort of the big goals that I wanted for the year. And what I now do is every quarter, I review them just to make sure that I'm still going in the way that aligns with those goals. Because otherwise, what happens is, or at least what happened with year one was, I just did things. And then I got to the end of the year. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I was supposed to do that. Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that. I think I can't remember which book I was reading. But there was a quote from I think the original CEO of IBM, who Mm. I think I can't remember who was interviewing him, but they asked him, you know, what was one of the reasons for IBM success? Like, what would you say is the number one attribute or contribution to IBM success? And I think he mentioned, it was something on the lines of we had this end goal in mind, as a team. And we knew that that was the end goal. It was always set as the end goal. How we got there was very open and not very stringent. But if we didn't have that end goal in mind, if we didn't know that we wanted to accomplish these aspects of of the business, then we wouldn't have been able to do it. We had to have that in our mind all the time because it's easy to forget and easy to not focus on what that is if you don't have it in your mind. So I think that's applicable in, in so many different facets of life, business and personal. If you don't have an idea of what that end goal is, then you can easily you know, fall off and, and stray. You, you hear a lot about successes, and, and when people mention passion, they attribute their success to passion, but you don't hear a lot about the failures of, of why someone was overly passionate. Mm. I think Ryan Holiday mentioned some really great examples of like, if you've read the book Into the Wild or seen the movie Into the Wild, mm. it's about a guy who goes trekking in like the Alaskan bush mm. and is really passionate about living off of the earth and doing everything naturally and and. You know, ultimately he fails and doesn't make it because he, and hopefully I'm not spoiling this for you, but he didn't really take a step back to think of what the real aspects of what this would be and, and what the consequences are. And I think there's a lot of different cases that he mentions in the book that are like that, is that if you, you don't take a look at what that end goal is and, and what the real steps are to get there, it can be easily... You can easily miss it. You can easily fail. And we don't hear a lot about the failures. We always hear about the successes. But, you know, you can easily get uh, your judgment clouded. And that success that you hope for can turn to failure. 
Yeah. I wanted to ask sort of the other side of this, which is, I feel like passion, I mean, a purpose can be a double-edged sword too, right? Where you can say, you know, I want to do this for this reason, but then you kind of, the reality is to get there, we have to take intentional steps, right? So I could see the other side of this being like, oh, that's my big vision, right? Mm -hmm. Like almost a pie in the sky idea, right? Where we don't actually have concrete steps to get there. And I think what you're saying is, the key thing is to have some concrete steps, but hold loosely to those steps. Right. Yeah, so uh, actually this reminds me of an analogy my dad always used with me, and I'm sure he learned this from somewhere else, so hopefully I'm not stealing this from someone, but <laughs> he would say that imagine you know, you're know you going from point A to point B, point B being your end of goal, and you're driving at night. So you're driving, point B is, is your goal. Driving at night, no lights, all you see is what your headlights show in front of you, so that's the only area you can focus on. You know that you're trying to get to the end goal, which is point B, but you can only see what's in front of you at that time, <laughs> so you can only focus on that. So I think the value of that that I've always kind of taken is that you have to have, again, in that in your mindset what it is you're trying to attain. But if you only focus on that, what does need to be done in the intermediate times or in, in the interim is that little step of what's going to get you a little bit closer and what's going to get you a little bit closer. So, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think balance is good in every way in so many facets of life. But, you know, imagine that you're driving at night and all you can see is that little bit ahead of you. So you can only focus on that for now. But you do know in the back of your mind what you're trying to attain. So it's something that kind of I've always kept in kept in mind when I'm working on different aspects of life. It's amazing how our, our parents have so much wisdom, right? Like, Oh, yes. Half the stuff I wish I'd written down because I can't remember all the little mm. analogies. Although, again, I'm becoming more and more like that with using analogies. I use a lot of sports analogies, though, mm. which is I find the, the, the easiest way, especially when you're working with a team like on a business or startups, especially sports analogies just work so well. Well, I wanted to make this actually really practical. So... Over at Banjaro, either in your own life or with Banjaro, like how did this aspect of purpose over passion, how did that play out? So with Banjaro specifically, I think what led me specifically to join the Banjaro team, and so I'll talk a bit about myself and I'll talk about the team, was a startup of my own back when I was in my mid-20s. That was also in the video space, and you know I worked on it for a couple of years and it failed miserably. It was video in a similar fashion, but we were using it for recruiting and sending videos out to recruiters, you know, receiving videos back as a recruiter type, type of an idea. And so for me, I had this passion of starting a business and really no idea what I wanted to, the outcome to be. I just you know, thought it would be great to do something of my own. I was working corporate jobs. I realized I was kind of at the, I would hit ceilings if you know, my direct leader or supervisor or boss was wanting me to get places, then I would get there. If not, then I was kind of at their mercy. And I wanted to take things into my own hands. So I was like, let's start a company. I had an idea, went with it. And I failed at it. And the failing, I think, is it was completely fine. What I regretted on the failing was that I didn't fail sooner. Um, I didn't let go of it sooner. But I knew that deep down I, was, I did enjoy certain aspects of it. I did enjoy being able to make decisions and work on product that was, that was something that I was interested in. But I was too passionate about it. I was, just, I was getting stuck. And I was, again, making those decisions because I was justifying things to myself. So I was justifying that this is what I should be doing because it's what's going to give me the most joy. And, and then as I stepped away from that and I joined a couple of other small startups, I realized that that same feeling of passion, I can also apply in another setting. It doesn't necessarily need to be my company. I can also join another you know, early stage startup, be able to make impact, just as much impact as I would had I done something on my own. But then I have other people around me that can, that can support me. So I think what led me to Bonjoro was a little bit of seeing myself and this vision that I had originally and I'm seeing another company 
doing it and doing a really great job of with a great product. Mm-hmm. But also then learning that I was passionate about being an entrepreneur and starting my own business. But really, my purpose is a bit more than that. It's it's about building relationships and it's about helping others get from one place to the next. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily need to be my own business to do that. I can always join another business, another startup to do that. So that was kind of what led me to Bonjoro. Where I see purpose and, and passion playing out with Bonjoro is specifically around our CEO, Matt. And I touched on this earlier of you know leaders, the ones who are really focused on an end goal, they can be overly passionate about how to get there. Matt is one of those guys who has this idea of where Bonjoro, where we want it to be in you know a few years or, or further, but he gives everyone on the team this freedom to figure out how to get there. When you build the right, he's very culture focused, when you build the right culture, then you can trust each other that person you've put in that role aligns with what your intentions are and what your goals are, but you trust them to make the decisions along the way that, that then you don't have to because you have that level of trust. And I think that without having a common goal as a team or a common purpose, it's much harder to do that. Certain aspects, I still ask Matt about doing things and he's like, yeah, 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 just do it, you know, go for it. Hmm. And it's like, I'm not so used to that sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I need to get validation or get, uh, you know, a yes or a no. And, And usually it's just like, those decisions can be made on your own. And it's very interesting because that level of trust is is there. And, and you know, like I said, he's really big on culture. So that's, that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I really enjoy about the team here is that there's nine of us at the moment, you know, likely more in the near future. But if we can maintain that level of, of trust and that level of culture, then, you know, everyone will be able to attain the same goal, but doing it the way that we've been entrusted to do it. Yeah, it's so fascinating because I was like even thinking back. So like, I think for those of you guys who are listening, I think in private practice, like this concept probably applies in numerous ways. Like one, if you're like a solo practitioner, right? And you're thinking about outsourcing some things related to your practice, right? So I think what Aman is saying is if you sort of make hires, and I've actually made this mistake with STC that I actually thought about trying to save money and that became the primary thing before instead of thinking about are these people that I'm hiring, even though they may cost a little more, do they ultimately align with where I want STC to go? So so if you're a solo practitioner, thinking about where, as you make individual hires, do they align with sort of your vision for your practice, right? And then trusting that you can give them a lot more autonomy as long as because they do align. And then if you're in a group practice, right, even thinking about hiring other clinicians, right, always thinking about sort of your vision for your practice and making sure that the clinicians you're hiring align with those values as well. Does that sound right, Amon, or does that seem accurate? Yeah, yeah, I think that's spot on. I think the the clearer your vision is on on what the overall goals are, the the easier it is to then find others who will help you get there. But it does take a bit of time and and practice to – sometimes in order to know what, a, for example, a good hire is, you may need to make a couple of hires that aren't the best or make some decisions. That's what they say, like, you know, everyone talks about how failure is great. It is because you need to know – how to fail in order to you need to fail to know how to succeed. So making little mistakes along the way is part of it. And if you're if you're trying to you know grow your business, whether it's your practice or you know a tech company, whatever it is, you know the quicker you can get to understanding what the the overall goal is, the easier you can find people who buy into that same goal and you build a, a system around it. I wanted to shift a little bit, and you know one of the most common struggles that I hear, and even to be completely honest, like even I struggle with is just having so many passions and interests. And it's so easy to like, you know, focus on one thing and then jump to the other thing. 
in terms of private practice, it could be like, you know, for example, let's say that, you know, you want to do individuals or you want to work with couples or you want to do a retreat or workshops, you want to launch a course, you want to do a podcast, whatever it is, right? Any tips for us on how to align these passions with a deeper purpose? Yeah, I think it's a matter of determining what it is that is your top goal with, in this case, your, your practice. What is it that, it sounds like a lot of, of your listeners have some great ideas of what they want to do. And I think it's about asking yourself, when you have all these ideas, is what I'm working on right now the most impactful to what that is? A lot of times we spend a lot of time on tasks that just because they, we spent a lot of time on them doesn't necessarily mean that they were the most impactful. So if you work on something for a long time, you feel like you've accomplished it. But if it wasn't the task that is the most influential in what your end goal is, then it was not necessarily a waste, but not the best use of your time. So I think in terms of ideas, because you know, ideas for me, they flow and they can come often. But sometimes you have to take a step back and think, is what I'm working on right now the most impactful thing I could be working on at the moment for my business, for my end goal? If you can take a step back once in, in every while, not on an everyday basis, but and ask yourself that question, and answer it in a way that is there anything else that I, that I should be working on instead of this? If that's the answer is yes, then stop doing it. If the answer is no, then you're on the right path. So I think you know when you come up with all these ideas, it's just a matter of organizing them in your mind of, of what is going to have the greatest impact on, on what your, your end goal is, what your purpose is. Yeah, so this idea of when you're in the throes of practice, for example, at least maybe it's even like a very practical thing of like, having time every week where it's blocked out, where you're sort of taking a step back and saying, okay, what does the practice look like this week? And is what I'm doing in on the day-to-day things of it, what things do I need to continue to focus on? What things do I need to maybe hold off on? Or what things do I need to delegate out so that it does line up with that deeper mission, deeper purpose for where I want my practice to go? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult, it's easier said than done, mm-hmm. I think. I'm one to to get sidetracked on so many different ideas. And there's a, a book I actually am meaning to read soon called Deep Work. And mm-hmm. it's about kind of focusing yourself on, you know, a couple hours a day of tuning everything out, all the distractions of, I think we were even talking about this before we, we hopped on the podcast of not getting notifications from other calls or I was talking about Slack notifications. It can be very distracting and sometimes pulls you away from what your intention is at that moment. Same thing comes with, with ideas. You have ideas that can pull you away it's a matter of taking a step back and kind of recalibrating yourself and saying, okay, what is it that I'm really trying to accomplish now? And use that headlight analogy, like what is it that the short-term goal right now that I need to accomplish to then that will contribute to my long-term goal? And if you have an idea that aligns with that really well, then it's something to focus on. And if it doesn't align with that, then maybe it's something to put aside for now at least. But it's easier said than done. It's I think no one is perfect at siphoning those off to the side it's it can be easy to to get pulled in yeah i mean i think that's also the dilemma of the entrepreneur right because it is our creativity our tendency to sort of think outside the box or you know all of those things channeled properly i think it leads to some amazing things but i think not channeled it can lead to a lot of distraction and going down paths and all sorts of things that maybe we didn't intend to go down yeah again some of the times those can be situations where you get some sort of you know, amazing insight that leads to something great. But the problem that is that we hear a lot of these success stories that are those stories. We don't hear a lot of the times where, you know, someone spent two years working on something that ended up being nothing. You, you only hear about the journey being linear and you don't hear about all the, the success stories that were actually completely out of whack. But in the end, it was success. It, you know, success is, is not linear at all. So in an ideal world, you'd like to get that linear. But the better you are at being able to 
things aside that don't have impact on what your end goal is or what your purpose is, the more linear, the more smooth that journey can be, but it's never going to be smooth. So, you know, don't hold it against yourself if you do get caught up in in aspects of the business that, that do pull you away from what you're intending to do. Yeah. And I think the key thing you're saying that is be gentle with yourself when you do realize you're kind of veering off. And then, you know, when you recognize it, sort of align it back with that deeper purpose and deeper calling and then make sure that what is that thing that you could be doing then in that moment to align with that. Yeah, absolutely. Aman, thank you so much for doing this. It's always fun, I think, to talk about entrepreneurship and some of the things that, you know, don't often get to talk about on the podcast. Uh, Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about Bonjoro, and uh, I know we started talking about it, but tell us a little bit more about it, and then also where we can find more information about it. Yeah, so Bonjoro is essentially a tool that, that we built to help companies and solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, send videos to their customers, their clients, right to their email, in a way to humanize their interactions and humanize their relationships. And so what we're really focused on is that aspect of putting the human factor back into business and business relationships. So Bonjour itself, it was actually born out of a need for one of another businesses that Matt and the team had started that were getting a lot of interest in clients overseas. And so Matt, our CEO, and then the team started sending videos to them to how to elevate the relationship. And so what happened was instantly overnight, you know, rather than sending an email or an automated email that they usually get when they sign up for a product or service or signing up, subscribing to a list, for example, you get that automated email. They started sending real one-to-one personalized videos. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a selfie style, you know, walking around doing your daily, your daily thing, and you send a video to someone just taking the moment to say, hey, thanks for subscribing or thanks for signing up. And the response rates for compared to email shot up like three to four times overnight. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're, our main goal is is, is to help companies actually, and again, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs tend to be a lot of our users, add that level of, of real one-to-one connection back into into their business. It's so easy to automate everything. And there's so much focus on it. There's all these AI tools coming out there to try to automate literally every aspect of, of your life. What we've learned is that you should automate everything to do with processes, um, but never relationships. If you automate relationships, that's when you start to forget about you know who it is that you're really working with and why you're working with them. And so where we built Bonjoro to help businesses of any size, put that human factor back into their business and send videos as a way to communicate through the medium of email, which is what everyone uses. So that's kind of the story of of Bonjoro. You can check it out, bonjoro.com, sign up. We send a video to every single person who signs up for Bonjoro. They get a real video one-to-one just for them, either from our team in Sydney, one of us in the UK, or we have a team member in Denver, Colorado. So you'll get a video from one of us saying welcome but definitely check it out if it's something that you feel like you want to build a more of a human connection with your customers and clients. Yeah, no, it's so funny because that's how we connected was that video, right? So yeah, there was something literally that said, hi, Melvin. And I was like, what in the world is this? And so uh, I opened it up and then uh, there you were, you know, and I just, I think being a user, I just felt like, man, you know, they actually care, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, my colleague Ollie and I were just at a conference in Dublin, hmm. and we had sent a video to the organizer of the conference. We sent a bonjour to the organizer of the conference. Actually, we were pitching for a discount for the tickets. And so we were like, let's send him a bonjour, we'll send him a video. And we ended up going to the conference. And funny thing is, when, when Ollie walked in the door, the organizer, who we'd never met before, saw him and was like, hey, Ollie, and just walked up to him and was and, and was talking to him as if they knew each other. Wow. And so... 
you know, without ever having to meet someone, you feel like you get to know them. They get to know you a lot better. Hmm. And what we're really, what Bunjo was really focused on is elevating relationships rather than, than creating new ones. It's taking a relationship from kind of rather than cold to warm, it's taking that warm relationship and making it very, very hot and, and something that, that people feel like they know you as a friend. And so we work with, you know, a variety of different companies, but a lot of our users are solopreneurs and entrepreneurs who are starting their businesses and they're willing to do things that aren't necessarily scalable in order to scale their business because they have the ability to do it at that moment of their business to take the time to send a video to someone. You talk to a company that has, you know, thousands of employees and the first thing you talk about is, you know, is this scalable? And it's like, if you don't have 30 seconds to spend on one of your clients, then they shouldn't be your client. Hmm. And so if you're willing to take that time, what we're focused on is scaling in the traditional sense of scaling your business, but in terms of scaling relationships. Yeah, I would definitely like talk a little bit more about this in the outro, but I, I actually think there's so much very cool potential for us as, as clinicians, especially when it comes to networking and building relationships and things with referral sources and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting journey to see how many entrepreneurs out there are focused so people focus so relationship focused mm. bonjour is kind of a natural a natural fit for them but it's you know for us our purpose is more than just getting people to buy our product or use our product it's more so we love seeing the success stories that come of it we actually encourage all of our users to send us like the screenshots of the responses they get from people who get a video mm. and we actually share that in a slack channel mm. um, that even our investors get to see because it's something that that's why we're in it is mm. to see that relationship go from one to 10, as opposed, you know, from what what a traditional automated email could just keep it at that level one. So our purpose really is to help entrepreneurs, startups, everywhere up to large companies, humanize their relationship with their customers and clients. No, it's good stuff, man. Aman, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful that we were able to have this conversation. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aman. And more than anything, I hope that it's given you some ideas in terms of how to better align the things that you feel passionate about as a clinician and how that might tie into sort of a bigger vision for your practice. I wanted to have this episode one, I think, just to be able to talk about, you know, things that just have a conversation with just other entrepreneurs, folks that are outside of our space, because I feel like there's just a lot of wisdom we can pick up along the way. The other reason I wanted to have the conversation is, as I think a lot about the podcast interviews that I've had, and especially the practices that have done really like exceptionally well, I'm talking like well into six figures. And they usually sort of, they align their practice with a deeper vision, right? So, for example, you know, they create a, a practice, a group practice that's focused solely on serving women, right, and improving their wellness. That might be an example. And yeah, I think more than anything, I just wanted to, I hope that it gives you kind of some ideas. The other thing I wanted to mention was a while ago, I actually created a solo episode around a book that I uh, just loved, and it's impacted my life in, in kind of big ways. And that book is The One Thing. And you can check out my sort of thoughts on that book. Um, I feel like this episode and that episode kind of go along well. Uh, you can find that episode over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one zero eight. 
And Aman mentioned a little bit about Banjuro. I think there are just some cool opportunities in terms of using this tool for us as clinicians. I'm not, I tend to be a little more conservative when it comes to talking with clients and using it for client purposes. So I personally wouldn't do that, but I do think a tool like Banjuro is wonderful for building relationships with other colleagues that are practicing in similar ways to us that are in our same geographic area. Also, just being able to send a bonjoro message to a physician's office or to a referral source, all of those different things. I just feel like I'm all about the personal touch and I'm all about trying to do things a little bit differently than others are doing. So Bonjoro might be an option to check out if that lines up with what you're thinking as well. Uh, You can actually go through this link if you'd like to support the blog. And this is an affiliate link just to be completely transparent. But if you can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Bonjoro. And again, that's B-O-N-J-O-R-O. And there's that'll help support the blog. And there's a a special page and that tells you a little bit more about Banjaro and the work that they're doing. Again, this is a product that I use and I've been really happy with. So I just wanted to support them as well. Show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one, four, four. And as we wrap up again, just wanted to send you a invite to join us over in the Selling the Couch directory. This is something I'm actually launching really soon. And I created this directory just to make it easier for us that are in private practice to be able to refer clients to other clinicians, uh, for us to get referrals, for us to be able to connect with other clinicians who share our interests and passions. And then also for if you're a supervisor or a supervisee, yeah, to be able to connect better with one another. There's also a number of surprise features that I'm going to be rolling out here. So you can find more about that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'm so thankful for you. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.